In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's show, Controlling Your Money. Reaching financial independence is all about cash flow, and that's not easy. But there are some easy principles you can apply to make a big impact. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Education-driven, strategy-based, and team-delivered. Welcome to another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. All across the state of Arkansas, we are glad to have you with us, and quite frankly, all over the world. We are live streaming once again this morning on Facebook Live and on YouTube. My name is Scott Inman. Welcome to the program. And to my left is Mark Osorio, who is with me on my team in the West Little Rock office. Welcome yep. aboard. Been a few weeks since we've had you on. I don't think you've been on the live stream version yet. No, I haven't. This is exciting. Yeah, no no pressure at all. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> watching. No no pressure at all. <laughs> and to my right, John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker, co-founders and co-owners of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors. Good we, morning to you. We've been here before. We have been here just we a few times. We can push the easy button at this point. Yeah. yeah, speaking of that, we're going to get to that. So the Super Bowl is over. <laughs> Uh, the 49ers came up on the losing end. The Chiefs won. Good game. It was really fun to watch. I remember. <laughs> Are you a Chiefs good fan? Job. That was a, he is now, for I mean, sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Bandwagoner, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I had no dog in the hunt, but I really was happy for a lot of my friends who are Chiefs fans. Yeah. There are quite a few Kansas City fans in, mm-hmm. in Arkansas. I, I wanted uh, Drake Greenlaw to make some good yeah. plays, you know, because he's a Razorback and playing rookie year in the NFL. So, uh, speaking of easy things, that can't be easy to be able to play in the Super Bowl in your rookie year. That's, that's outstanding. Uh, but uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm regionally bound by the by the Chiefs as opposed to San Francisco. I got you. True. I understand that. So there also was the matter of the commercials, which is something that a lot of people watch for. Some people don't even remember what happened in the football game. They watch the commercials. We were doing a quick poll before we went on today, and I think I watched maybe a few of them. I remember a few of them. They were memorable. Most of you guys, I think, Janet, you said you watched. Yeah. I saw yeah. a few of them. John, you have no memory of the commercials? Not, not really. really. I was I was doing something on my computer or whatever, and if the game wasn't on, my attention was elsewhere. So okay. I, I really didn't pay a lot of attention. I, I do remember the Bill Murray groundhog thing. That I, was I, my favorite. That, yeah. I do yeah. remember that, but... All the rest of it, I just think they, they, they were a little bit over the top. They try too hard, and, and uh, yeah. yeah. Not, not, a, not a big fan of it. No. Mark, did you watch any of the commercials? I watched a few, but mainly during the commercials, that's my time to get up and uh, get some more snacks. <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. yeah. I limited it to per quarter. At the end of each quarter, right. I went back downstairs and got more food. Well, hey, we'd love to hear what your favorite commercial was, but as we talk about those, you know, my favorite was the, the Groundhog Day 2 with yep. Bill Murray. And a lot of why I liked it, it was funny and it was great, yeah. but I also remember uh, who the sponsor or that ad was. Yeah. It was Jeep because it was a focal point of the commercial. I think so oftentimes those commercials, you lose sight of who's even trying to get your attention. Yeah, it's entertaining. And yeah. I, I learned once in a psychology class ages ago that if you entertain people too much, it's just the entertainment. They're not right. going to focus on whatever the product is. And I think that has been you know, the, the fact for a lot of Super Bowl commercials in the past. I, I will say my favorite one that I saw was Groundhog Day. And, and my daughter loves Jeeps, so it drew us in over that. And then just from having seen the movie and everything, they did a really mm. good job on the commercial. Mm. Um, what I did not see during the game was Johnny Cash's Ragged Old Flag mm. commercial and have since seen um, on social media. Mm. And that is, that is one of my personal all-time favorite songs and so that probably would have been my favorite one to see if i had seen that one during the game okay so do you remember this for those of you watching on our live stream you remember the easy button i don't know if you're going to be able to hear this on let's see that was easy yeah. does anybody remember who was the one that brought this to us we, I quizzed we you missed and you were it. wrong. We missed it, yeah. You were I, like industry. Yeah, we, we went for a red office supply store, but not the correct red office supply store. Mm-hmm. I started to say Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, she tried to get yeah. the reset button with, with Russia, and she brought one of these things in, and I got it you. flopped like, yeah. you know, a dead fish. But. So, oh, well. so the correct answer was Staples. Mm-hmm. That was who brought us the easy button. I had to Google that because I couldn't remember either. But today's show. That was easy. 
is about the easy button and how really it's not very applicable to your retirement or your financial future. The easy button, we're going to say, leads to broke. And, and that's the truth because financial independence is all about cash flow management. And yes. that's going to really be the focus of today's show. And I think the easy button in life leads down a road where we get into trouble when it comes to cash flow management. I think one of the problems that people run up against in dealing with money is they're looking for the easy yeah. solution. They're striving. They, they just want it to be easy. They just want it to be easy. Well, it's not. It's, uh, you know, heart surgery is not easy. Uh, building a car is not easy. Building a financial game plan is not easy. It does take work. Janet, we've talked many times before on this show that people in America spend more time planning their vacation than they do their retirement. Yeah. And yeah. and that's because people are looking for the easy way out. Let me just sign up for the 401k. I'll be okay. Not necessarily so. I had an opportunity to spend a little bit of time this week with a, a high school classmate. And again, we're not going to talk about how many years this has been. It's been a while. Um, but a little bit of time with him. And it was really funny, the things that we would contribute to just kind of a regionalism of where we grew up. And that's just how you were raised. And, and both of us, I believe, would say we weren't raised with money, but we were raised with financial discipline. And when you talk about easy, you know, if you have a whole lot of money, life's easy financially. If you don't have a lot of money, but you do have financial discipline, you can do it, but it's not easy. You mm -hmm. just have to be consistent. And he talked about, you know, you don't want to, if you go to that part of the state, don't judge somebody by what they're driving because you're going to be wrong yeah. about where they are financially. They're driving a 10-year-old vehicle because they have financial discipline, mm -hmm. not because they don't have money. I'm reading uh, Everyday Millionaires right now, yes. the Chris Hogan book, yeah. and that right down the road of what you're talking about, the average millionaire, the person who has accumulated a net worth of a million dollars plus in this country, is not who you think it would be. That's the, pe right. the people who are showing you their wealth likely don't have wealth. They have debt. Yes, they have yeah. debt, and they're broke because the average American market, it's an interesting statistic, spends about $18,000 a year on non-essentials. It really yeah. comes down to control. Absolutely. And that's that's incredible, you know, that yeah. it's $18,000 a year for the average American. I, I kind of crunched some numbers. Uh, I'm a numbers guy. So I, I looked up what's the average salary in, in Arkansas and, and the U.S., right? And in Arkansas, it's $47,000. So $18,000 a year in non-essentials is basically taking 38% of your income, mm -hmm. you know, after tax right. to, to non-essentials, uh, which just, that's astounding. Um, and 56516 is the average salary for, for the U.S. So yeah. at that point, it's 32%. And just thinking about, uh, along with, with that, that at the same time, 38% of people said that they can't afford uh, retirement savings, right? 35% mm. say that they can't afford life insurance. 28% uh, say, you know, they can't afford to pay off credit cards. And 26% uh, uh, can't afford car repairs, you know, along uh, with the fact that about 60% of, of uh, Americans today wouldn't be able to afford a $1,000 emergency, mm -hmm. right? So when you think about that, it's it really is just mind-blowing. Well, think about this. Most Americans are one missed paycheck yeah. away from broke. Mm -hmm. That's that's just the, the true fact of it. And I think what's not easy, Scott, is the decisions that you have to make about what you're going to do with your money. Uh, it's easy to go out to eat all the time. It's easy to buy that uh, item that you saw online. Yeah, that was easy. there you go. <laughs> and, and so, you know, those things are easy, but the discipline that's necessary to save money in your 401k plan or put away money in an emergency fund or buy life insurance, that's the one that blows everybody's yeah, mind yeah. is that, uh, you know, I just feel like I'm throwing money away. Well, you are until you need it, mm. and then it's it's incredibly valuable, and you can't buy it at that particular point. It's a backstop is what That's it right. is. Absolutely. It's a backstop. So it's about reshuffling the deck on today's Get Ready for the Future show. It's about time for our first break. But on the other side of the break, we're going to hear from John Lynch. We had the chance to sit down with LPL's chief investment strategist, late last week and talk about the markets. So that's going to be a little break in the program when we return on the Get Ready for the Future show. Just getting started, the easy button and some easy principles for you to apply. Get off the crazy train and onto a more dependable track with the Gen Wealth team. All aboard the Get Ready for the Future show after the break.
This is Scott Inman. At Genwell Financial Advisors, we understand that there should be more to retirement than just the size of your nest egg. Whether it's more time for family, a fresh start, or just stopping and enjoying life, whatever it is for you, we know that your retirement should be more. With offices across Central Arkansas, there is a Genwealth location nearby. Call 501-653-7355 or visit us online to schedule an appointment and harness the power of more. Securities offered through LPL Financial Member FINRA SIPC. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From Genwealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. Thanks for joining us on Facebook and on the Get Ready for the Future show for this latest installment of the fastest four minutes in investing. And John, all of the talk when it comes to the investment world and the markets here lately has been on the coronavirus. Maybe not all of the talk, but it's certainly getting a lot of the headlines. We're fond on the Get Ready for the Future show of saying there is always a crisis du jour, a crisis of the day that disrupts markets in the short term. But what do they really do to markets in the long term? And that's the subject of today's Uh, fastest four minutes in investing, and specifically the coronavirus. There have been outbreaks of illness before worldwide, maybe even say panic. I hate to use that word yet, but there are some people that are panicking over this coronavirus. And uh, you and I were talking before we came on. The reality is, is it's not even close to having the impact that just the flu has on yeah. a regular basis in America and across the world. Way more people have died this year from the flu, have been affected by the flu, than have have and likely will be affected by the coronavirus. Absolutely, Scott. And, and I think that if you look at the impact of the coronavirus on the markets, it created a about a day's worth of opportunity because you had the market fall about 600 points uh, at the end of the week last week, and, and all of a sudden everybody's just – all upset about the the coronavirus. Well, the markets have rallied back, and and as we are recording today, uh, the Dow is up one and a quarter percent, and and you know it just was a blip in the radar, and that has really been the history of what has happened with these outbreaks that we've had. If you remember back in two thousand three, we had the SARS virus. Mm. Well, that virus had almost no effect on the markets because six months later the market was up 27 percent more recently we had the the zika virus you know that was a that was one that they you know a lot of people were flipped out about well the markets really reacted with a yawn to that because the markets were up about 12 percent six months down the road so what uh is really happening here is a lot of hype. It is uh, now certainly there are people that are affected by yes, this and yes. people that have died from it. I don't want to discount that at all. But as far as it being a global pandemic, it really is not having that kind of an effect. And we've been here before. We've seen this movie before. And so from an investment standpoint, we think that unless something big changes, this is probably going to be a non-issue. Yeah, and as a reminder, the markets tend to return to the fundamentals. And the underlying fundamentals are sound for the economy moving forward in 2020. And so those minor disruptions, it goes back to the emotional investing, behavioral investing. John, it can cause people to go, oh, this time it's different. I need to pull my money out. I need to sell some of my investments and then the market goes back up. And that's what leads to, statistically speaking, the average investor underperforming the overall market. Absolutely. And and when you look at the favorable investment environment that we have right now, low interest rates, corporate profits, those are generally the economic backdrop behind all the day-to-day talk and all the day-to-day news that you need to be paying attention to. Don't necessarily think about what's happening right now. Look at that backdrop and say, okay, what does this mean against the big picture? Is that going to likely disrupt the big picture? And the chances are, uh, at least with the coronavirus, we don't see it being a long-term disruptor to the economic momentum that we've got going on in the United States right now. And how your investment should line out has way more to do with you than what's going on globally. Where are you on your journey to retirement? Absolutely. When, when do you need to be utilizing your investments as income? We can help you with that here at Genwell Financial Advisors. And that is it for the fastest four minutes in investing. Again, thanks for watching on social media and listening on the Get Ready for the Future show. Our radio program continues right after this. Education-driven, strategy-based, team-delivered. That's how we roll on the Get Ready for the Future show, and we'll be right back.
We're back with more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money on the Get Ready for the Future show. We've lined up our next set of Gen Wealth Academy workshops we want to tell you about. Three of them coming your way in the upcoming weeks, and it is a brand new presentation entitled Destination Retirement. John and Janet have worked hard on this, and we are going to debut it in Sherwood at the Saltgrass Steakhouse on February 20th at 6.30, and then two more opportunities uh, coming up on the 27th of February in Benton and March 5th in Little Rock. Go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com to find out more. Hey, as we told you before the break, John Lynch, LPL's Chief Investment Strategist, joined us late last week. Here now is that interview. We are pleased to be joined by Chief Investment Strategist at LPL Financial, John Lynch, on the Get Ready for the Future program. Welcome, John. Thank you, Scott. Good morning. Good morning to you. We certainly appreciate you uh, being with us. And we're going to talk a lot about the market, both short term and long term in our segment today. I want to start with the short term. We we certainly have seen the return of volatility over the last uh, several days. Give us some insight into uh, what your team thinks is the cause of that and maybe how long it might last. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, we just did a uh, just did a video from the research group uh, a little while ago talking about the three C's that are affecting the market right now: complacency, coronavirus, and the possibility for correction. And as we entered 2020, you may remember that uh, a variety of sentiment indicators were uh, not flashing any warning signs. Whether you look at put call ratio, volatility index, things along those lines, sentiment indices confidence indices rather, bull bear scenarios, uh, they were all uh, registering a little too much confidence. The market was approaching what we believe to be fair value. We had uh, the S&P 500 in that 3250 to 3300 range, for example. We ran into uh, the Iranian situation. Market kind of went through that. We had the impeachment situation, which is still going on, the Brexit situation, which was still going on. But the coronavirus appeared to be the thing that really got everybody because there was a great deal of concern there. Now, we looked further into, or more recently into history over the past 10, 15, 20 years, whether you look at Zika, bird flu, uh, SARS, swine flu, any of these pandemics, we found very little market impact uh, we saw a little more economic impact. We think there'll be more of an economic impact um, in China relative to the U.S., although uh, as of uh, this taping, the market is down uh, uh, given some concerns on coronavirus relative to uh, now airlines, whether or not they're going to fly into and out of China. So we had complacency. We've got coronavirus. Do want to mention that when we looked at these past several pandemics, we found three-month, six-month, 12-month returns were all positive going forward in spite of the great concern, uh, which brings me to the third C, the possibility for a correction. Uh, as you know, the market was up more than 15% since the October low. Um, that's quite a sprint over a three- or four-month period. And more often than not, we have you know five or six, four or five uh, five to seven percent type corrections in any given year and i think that's something what investors should be looking at for the possibility we eclipse 3300 uh, if you want to think about five to seven percent from there we're probably down two and a half to three percent so we might only be halfway through uh this near-term correction but we do look at a variety of other things and we think the economic data the forward-looking, not necessarily what companies are reporting in earnings, but the forward-looking guidance all appears positive, and certainly the Fed remains on the market side. John, I, I know that you guys are very keenly interested in earnings, and earnings season started last week, and, mm -hmm. and ultimately earnings tend to be the overarching factor that do uh, drive the market uh, over a long-term period of time. What is your sense about how the underlying earnings, on top of all the three C's, how about the earnings? Are they still uh, supporting this market? Yeah, profits are, profits are a big deal because if you remember, um, it looks like earnings will be flat for 2019 when all is said and done are up one or two percent nothing significant yet the market was up by almost a third i think what we need to see this year is that what has already been previously priced in to 2020 is actually substantiated and that's why i'm so encouraged by what we're seeing not necessarily relative to the bottom line that we're experiencing from fourth quarter earnings season 
but the guidance that companies are suggesting and CEOs and CFOs are suggesting. So we think six to seven percent in that range, if you will, for 2020 would be would be a good number in profits. And you throw in a two uh, percent type. Uh, dividend yield, we think that's about fair value uh, for the market. And if we're able to get clarity on phase two of uh, trade deal with China, at that point, uh, by our mid-year outlook, I think it's fav- uh, I think it's uh, likely you would see upward revision to our earnings forecast for this year. So in the uh, realm of forecasting, let's talk a little bit about recession forecasting. You know, last year sure. it seemed like there was quite a bit of that, that maybe it's pretty imminent. And now this year it seems almost universal that everybody's saying there's not going to be one in 2020. I love LPL's uh, five forecasters. And for those right. who aren't familiar, LPL Research tracks five key indicators looking for signs of the next recession. Recently, though, your team made some adjustments to those forecaster, forecasters. Can you tell us a little bit about those changes and what they mean? Yeah, and I think those forecasts, I mean, I think that's going to be, you know, a dynamic uh, uh, process in 2020 as opposed to past years where it hasn't where it's been more static, if you will, because we're in year 11 of the cycle now. And we like to look at the yield curve. We look at uh, purchasing manager index. We look at leading economic indicators. And then we look at market breadth, the number of advancing stocks relative to the number of declining stocks to get a better handle on what the market's doing. And then finally, market valuation. Looking at the yield curve, uh, we are uh, we throughout the past year, uh, as the yield curve was flat or inverted, meaning short-term rates higher than long-term rates. More often than not, when we've had previous experiences like that, it it, it suggested imminent recession within nine to twelve months. Our case last year, as you know, was that we didn't believe the market signals were suggesting recession. Usually when you have recession because of the yield curve, short-term rates are rising faster than long-term rates, and that's how you get the imbalance which causes recession. What happened this time around was long rates were falling faster than short rates. And we think that was more of a vote of confidence in the long-term prospects for the U.S. economy, but also is more of a reflection of global valuation. You know, you and I can think the 10-year treasury is expensive at 160 or whatever it's yielding, but if you're a global investor and you have a negative yield offered by the German Bund or a negative yield offered by the uh, Japanese government bond, the 10-year treasury looks like a screaming buy to you. So consequently, we, we think the yield curve was more of a valuation experience in 2019 than imminent recession. Uh, what's occurred this past week clearly on the yield curve uh, I think it's just more reflective of, you know, your traditional flight to quality during periods of uncertainty like the coronavirus. So the yield curve is one. Purchasing managers index is the next. There was a lot of concern that uh, the PMI, as we call it, uh, was signaling a recession. We've been below 50, which if you're above 50, it signifies expansion. If you're in the 44 to 40, 50 range, 44 to 50 range, more often than not, that's suggestive of a flat economy. And really when the index gets below 44, that's when you're, you're seeing uh, recession indicators. But we would attribute, if we've been in the 47, 48 range, I'd attribute at least three points to Boeing in and of itself because of the 737 MAX uh, production halt. And I think you get any degree of you know, they were positive on the earnings call recently. If any degree of stability there, I think if you if you take manufacturing X Boeing, I think it looks a lot better. Uh, leading indicators also appear to have balanced uh, recently, so or bounced from lows recently, and that's not only a domestic, but it's a local, a global rather phenomenon. And then looking at market valuation, we were getting stretched with forward multiples, forward PE ratios on the market in that. Um, you know, 18 type range on a forward basis, so that's a little expensive. And then the advanced decline line had been fine up until just within the past couple of days, so it might be too early to send a signal just yet. John, fixed income investors got a big surprise in, in uh, 2019 with great yields as relative to the, the things that were going on with the yield curve and the Fed. Looking mm-hmm. into 2020, what's your thought on bonds and fixed income for the average investor out there? 
Yeah, at this point in the cycle, uh, I'm real hard pressed to put a screaming buy on the bond market because again, the 10 year treasury looks uh, expensive, but again, everything you and I learned in school and everything we've learned over our career would suggest the 10 years expensive. But when you look at the bigger backdrop with the Federal Reserve that has essentially quintupled its balance sheet, and not only was that, I'm doing air quotes, money printing, uh, only in the U.S., but it happened in Japan and it happened in the in the in the, in Europe as well with the ECB, European Central Bank, expanding their balance sheet by a similar amount. So when you have that sort of dynamic, you never want to say it's different this time. But when the the world's leading central banks artificially suppress uh, the short end of their yield curves, it does alter the dynamic. So what we did in 2018 in the first half or so of 2019 was an overweight in the corporate market relative to high yield bonds. Because as the Federal Reserve had raised four times in 2018, uh, probably three times would have been enough, right? Now that fourth one really sent the market for a loop in December of 18. Typically when the Fed's raising, high yield outperforms uh, investment grade. Once the Fed cut three times last year, we transitioned that uh, overweight, if you will, uh, in the corporate bond market to the investment grade market because we think the investment grade market is the Fed felt the need to cut or hold. We'd rather be with companies that are more apt to pay you back. So we're looking at a little more investment grade. We're looking at the mortgage-backed securities market as well. The risk-reward scenario is a little bit better. Uh, for investors. And then finally, on the treasury market, you're not going to see an overweight from us on treasuries, but I want all individual investors to recognize and appreciate the importance that the treasury market plays. It, it is the global benchmark. It is the highest rated, most liquid uh, uh, bond market in the world. So there is a bid for us in spite of our spending profligacy here in the U.S. from global investors. And we need to keep mindful of that because the benefits of that are during periods of uh, equity market duress like we're experiencing currently, uh, the treasury market can provide liquidity, it can provide income, and provide ballast during equity market volatility for diversified portfolios. Well, John, 12 minutes goes by really quickly, but we are uh, out of time on our segment here on the Get Ready for the Future show. We want to thank you very much for stopping by and, and joining us and uh, giving us your insight. Well, thank you, Scott and John. It was a lot of fun. I'll look forward to being on with you again soon. Take care. All right. John Lynch, Chief Investment Strategist at LPL Financial. Your retirement should be more. More what? More than just investments. More about you. Find out more when the Get Ready for the Future show returns. Want more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Listen to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Education-driven, strategy-based, and team-delivered at Genwell Financial Advisors. And we have a very defined process, a planning process. We call it the Genwealth Ready to Retire process. If you'd like to learn more about that, you can always pick up the phone and reach out to an advisor near you. The number you can call is 501-653-7355. You can do that now, 501-653-7355, and that will get you in touch with a financial advisor near you. We have offices in West Little Rock, Bryant, Hot Springs, El Dorado, Conway, and Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana. As we continue today on our show about... The easy button. <laughs> we're talking about the things that we wish were out there that really could make a difference, but really are going to lead to broke. And then we're going to give you some easy principles to follow that can improve uh, your finances in the current and your financial future. You know, we talk about the easy button, and I think about the clicks of the mouse, the uh, mm -hmm. easy way to put your card down to pay for something, whether it's a credit card or a debit card. You hand it to the clerk, you store it online and click buy. It is so easy to overspend in our society today, guys. And getting a handle on that, and I hope we illustrated that a little bit in the first segment, getting a handle on that can improve everything else. It's not just about yeah. cutting down on spending, but it increases your ability to save for an emergency in the short term and for retirement in the long term. You got to, the equation is very simple. You either have to save the money from that 
pitfall that you were talking about as spending, or you have to make more money. It's yeah. okay if you're spending, if you have enough money to go ahead and save and meet your priorities. But I think priority is the big key, Janet. You've got to be sure that you have your saving priorities ahead of your spending priorities. You're absolutely right. Uh, Troy and I had the opportunity this week to spend a little bit of time over at Arkansas Highway Patrol with some of their new recruits. And Major Bickerstaff came in and was talking with these guys. And he, he said, guys, listen, I'm just going to tell you, as far as your money is concerned, your choices are pay now or pay later. You're, you're going to pay at some point, and you just need to decide if you're going to pay now or if you're going to pay later. And he talked about things like he drives a vehicle that is over 10 years old. And so it, it, that's it's not because they have to. It's just something that that is what they have chosen to do. A new vehicle is not a priority. So they're not paying now on a vehicle. They're paying on other things like putting money back for retirement so that later on they're not in a tough spot. You're either going to pay now or you're going to pay later. Make your choices. I've had some conversations with my kids about money recently, and you know, I think it's a. It was really enlightening to me to think about. I mentioned in the last segment reading the new Chris Hogan book, Everyday Millionaires, and talking about how if someone is showing you your wealth, they likely aren't wealthy; they're likely right. in debt. And I think that is the persona mark that people get when they when they see flashy cars, big houses. My kids feel that way, right? Well, they must be rich if they have all of those things. They must be rich. And I told them, guys. Wealth is not about the possessions you have. Wealth is about the assets you have, right? That's real wealth, and that's building savings for retirement, for short-term goals. And you had a really good uh, conversation with a friend of yours on how he really put down, but he buckled down on his spending and realized how much he was wasting and made some big differences or made some big changes that lead to differences. And, you know, it's interesting because – the conversation came up through uh, people that we were, we were talking about on Instagram, uh, these influencers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how um, there's so many people out there that are looking to make an image, you know, just based mm-hmm. off of what they wear or what they drive, things like that, right? But in reality, there's already uh, proven to be many influencer frauds out there on, that are on Instagram and uh, just, you know, buying or... I'm sorry, renting or, you know, leasing a car for a day to make it seem like they own all this stuff and they're doing all these extravagant things. But in reality, they're not. And, uh, you know, to to what we're talking about here, I actually wanted to kind of read to you a little bit about uh, some of the things that he said that he was doing to streamline because uh, in getting um, looking at how how our society can view uh, this topic of uh, having control of your finances. You know, he really wanted to streamline things. So I asked him, okay, so, so what, what are you doing? And he said, basically, I stopped paying for Spotify, Netflix, and switched uh, to a bank that didn't charge me any kind of fees. I uh, limited eating out, drinking out, and changed his, a phone service to a, a much uh, more affordable one. And then the greatest, the greatest cut that he made was that he cut his rent expense over 50%. Uh, as well as uh, by doing that, uh, he moved to a place where he didn't no longer had a, a, an internet bill. So in doing those, those kinds of things, uh, I mean, he really, really made a huge change in his finances. Uh, but but get this. So, <laughs> and I think this is great. And our viewers, I think, are going to really, really benef- uh, be, uh, uh, benef- <laughs> be benefited from this yes. is that um, whenever I asked him, he's like, well, you know, was that hard for you? Uh, he said, well, Whenever I started realizing the power of a dollar, I started getting frustrated with myself and my habits. And there's no reason to spend all of your money on comfort, especially when you can barely afford it. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think we can all agree with that. Uh, you know, humans can survive on so much less than society makes you think. Getting tired. Uh, so getting tired of competing with everyone, I shut it all down. In the past two years, I started to hate money. And that's uh, when I made the changes. That's when I realized how much... Um, you know, money can control us. So in reality, he just started buckling down, making better decisions. And what he says is, so in the end, money either controls you or you control money. And I'd much rather have 100% control of a material object as opposed to being a slave to it. Mm. That's awesome. That's great. You know, you think about that, and obviously it's not necessarily about being a minimalist. It's about Basically, if you don't have the cash for something, you don't spend it. So yeah. he's understanding that. Certainly, over his, over the course of his work life, his friend's work life, his income's likely going to go up. And you're going to be able to spend on some things that you want to on balance. Mm-hmm. You may want to blow some money. But it all comes back to that wheel of how much are you saving, how much are you spending. 
how much are you able to put back for retirement? It's percentages. You know, I, I, there are lots of budgeting apps out there. There are lots of budgeting tools out there. I like every dollar, but being able to put every dollar in its place and seeing where you're spending it yeah. allows you to make some better decisions. I think the, the key for our listeners and viewers today to understand this is that if you know somebody that is retiring very well, they're retiring, let's say with a million dollars. We see a lot of clients come in with a million dollars in their 401k or whatever the case may be. Those people didn't just luck into that. There was work that was involved in doing that. There was discipline. There was sacrifice because they did not go out and buy certain things because they delayed that gratification and said, one day, I'm going to be able to retire. And one day I'm going to be able to do all the things that I've been wanting to do all this time that I haven't done, that I've deprived myself of temporarily. Now I can go and live in a lifestyle that that is really unparalleled. And I think that's the real hard thing for people to do. They would like to do the easy thing and just spend the money and and live life now. And I get that to some degree, but you also have to think about there's going to come a day when you're not able to work or don't want to work and you need to have a source of income because social security is not going to get it for you. It will be there, but it will be a minor part of your retirement. The rest, unless you have a pension, is on you and your ability to fund it. Yeah, I, I would challenge you to consider the easy buttons that you're using in life. Um, I'll give you an example. If you think about like Amazon Prime, and I tell my kids all the time, you don't know what it was like to grow up prior to Google. Well, frankly, they're not going to know what it was like to grow up prior to Amazon. We actually went to the store and bought paper towels. You know, it's shocking. Wow. But, but that's what we did. And so when you think about what they have done, not only will they deliver it to your door, but, oh, wait a minute, if you will subscribe and you'll not just buy stuff from Amazon, but if you'll be an Amazon Prime member, so pay to be part of our club. If you'll be an Amazon Prime member, then we won't ever charge you shipping. We'll send this stuff to you for free. Guess what? You're paying it in the membership fee. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's what's happening. And by the way, talk about making it easy. Because you have subscribed and you now don't have to pay a delivery fee, then when you think, hey, I might kind of want to buy product X, whatever it is, you go and look at it and you go, Oh, no delivery fee. Click and you buy it. Would you have bought it if you had to get in a car, drive to the store, (laughs) spend cash to get it? I'm going to say no. You know, be aware of the easy buttons that you are using and that you are paying to use. Check those subscriptions. Yeah. Think about it when you when you hit it. That was easy. It was easy when you did it. But then how do you feel after you look at it on your bank statements. It was easy to spend that money. Yeah. And and I don't have enough time on the show to rant about online buying versus going to the store. (laughs) I'm a guy that I want to go touch it, feel it, bring it home right now and not have to box it up and send it back when it's not right. That's just all there is to it. And let me be clear, because I kind of picked on Amazon a little bit. I use Amazon, but I use it in a budgetary way. You know, it's not just because you have to be aware of the purchases that you're making. No. So there are some easy principles that we want to share with you. They're, they're maybe not easy to implement on the front end, but they will make things easier on the back end. So there is no easy button that will help you build wealth. As we mentioned in the show, it is sacrificial. It is discipline. It is repetition. But there are some easy principles to apply that can help get you there. So number one on our list is don't debt yourself to debt. And this is a really easy principle if you think about it in terms of this. If you don't have the cash to pay for it, don't buy it. That's pretty simple. Pretty simple rule to live by. Now, it may be hard to implement, but the reality is, is it makes things black and white. And I and I know things are out there that we all want to buy day in and day out. And they even cross over to this gray area of maybe it's maybe certain things are clearly non-essential that I'm blowing my money on. Certain things are very clearly essential. Some things are in the overlap, right? It, it, it's convenient and maybe it is needed. You feel like, but do you really have to have it? Those are questions that are easily answered when you apply that principle. If you don't have the cash, you don't make the purchase. And Absolutely. I think 
Oh, and, and I think another big question to go along with that is, what am I giving up to have that, right? Yes. Because there's an opportunity cost as well. Mm-hmm. Am I giving up retirement savings? Am I giving up, you know, doing something for, for you know, my family members or, or something to, to serve somebody else? So there's always an opportunity cost to what we're, uh, what we're using. Scott, I don't have time for the story before our break, but when we get back from the break, I'm going to talk about how you, you basically plan yourself out of debt by planning to have savings. And, and yeah, that, that right. is a key principle. And I've got a story that I just encountered just uh, last night, as a matter of fact, that mm-hmm. I, I can share with you about that. We call that a tease. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the easy button today and easy leads to broke, but easy principles that you can apply to improve and impact your financial future in a big way. We're going to take a break and be back with our final segment on the Get Ready for the Future show. We want to hear from you on our live stream. If you're watching on Facebook Live, Send us a comment or a question. We'll be right back with our final segment after this. Are you following us on social media? Search for Gen Wealth on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at GenWealthFA so you don't miss out on behind-the-scenes photos, money tips, and informational videos. The Get Ready for the Future show will be back after this. Meet the Gen Wealth team in person at our Gen Wealth Academy workshops happening in your area. For more information, visit getreadyforthefuture.com/events. Now, back to the show. Taking our hands off the easy button today and applying some easy principles or we might even say simplifying the process, some simple things to implement in your life to improve your financial future. We're going over the list in our final segment. We started in the last segment with if you don't have cash, don't pay for it. Uh, basically staying out of debt. Don't debt yourself to death. To If you want to get the whole list, the checklist, you can get it at getreadyforthefuture.com slash easy button. So you can get the checklist there. You can also find out about uh, our upcoming Gen Wealth Academy workshops there as well. But one of the ways, one of the keys, John, and you mentioned this before the break, to staying out of debt, not debting yourself to debt, because a lot of people may hear that and go, well, what if what if the refrigerator goes out? What if my AC unit goes out? Then I've got to spend the money. And if I don't have the money, I've got to borrow that. Well, the cure to that problem is to have an emergency fund. Absolutely. And last night, I had a bit of an emergency. (laughs) I was minding my own business, driving down the road, and trying to to take care of a little bit of of an issue that I needed to take care of. And I'm on the service road over here in Saline County, and something was in the road, and I couldn't see it. And I hit it with my front tire and hit it with my back tire, and both tires blew out. Wow. Completely blew out. Now, one spare tire in yes, the vehicle. In modern, day, <laughs> wow. in modern days, you don't have two spare tires. Right. You know, you just don't right. carry around an extra couple of tires in your, in your trunk. And so you had to call the, the uh, roadside assistance. Well, the roadside assistance guy gets there and he goes, hmm, you got two flat tires. And I went, no joke. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, the problem is, is that your roadside assistance doesn't cover towing. So you're going to have to pay out of pocket for the towing. Now, it wasn't a problem for me, but I think about the fact that there are many, many people that could not have done that without putting it on a credit card or, or, you know, just doing something to come up with a hundred bucks that it was going to cost to tow the car. To give a, a point of reference, he didn't even have that far to go. It's it's literally like from this side of the interstate on the access road, you can see the place on the other side of the interstate yeah. on the access road. Oh my goodness. hundred bucks. Yeah. hundred bucks. Wow. And, there you go. And, you know, and I remember uh, very vividly when I got married, it seemed like everything that came up was 20 bucks. And then when I met, moved up here from my hometown in El Dorado, it seemed like everything was fifty bucks, and mm. then it was a hundred bucks. Mm. And today it's like I don't know a thousand bucks when yeah. something comes up. It's just ridiculous how life can happen. And if you don't budget, if you don't have an emergency fund, if you don't have the cash to pay for it, then guess what happens when life happens? You go into debt, mm. and then you have debted yourself to financial death, because if you don't ever get out of debt, then you can't have, uh, out of debt, rather, you can't have financial freedom. We believe you have to have a couple of thousand dollars, $2,000 as a starter emergency fund. You quoted the uh, numbers in the first segment, Mark, about statistically how many Americans could not pay 
for a $1,000 emergency. 60%. Yeah. So huge. And looking at that, I mean, going, going back to that as well, you know, what could you do with that $18,000 that currently you're spending on, you know, non-essentials? So, you know, I just did a quick list of some things that, uh, that, you know, I think would be very beneficial to uh, our, our viewers here. So what, what if you have debt, right? So, what you could easily do with uh, those $18,000 is save up $2,000 in emergency savings. Then you, we always say that a budget is one that you can live with, right? So that includes having fun as well. So, you know, including 10% of that or $1,800 for, for fun money. Uh, then that also includes um, a life insurance policy. So I'm, I'm 30. So I, I looked into the cost of a, a life insurance policy for 30 years, half a million dollars. And so you include that as well. And on top of that, you would still be able to use over $13,000 to pay off debt. Mm. So all of that with that $18,000 uh, that you're currently using for non-essential money. Reshuffling the deck, as we mentioned earlier. The next uh, easy principle or simple principle that we have in the show is take your finger off the mouse. And we already kind of talked about that yeah. with the Amazon Prime or all these subscriptions. Your buddy decided to desubscribe mm-hmm. to yeah. end the subscriptions to many of those services. So we won't belayer that point to death. But the other one is something John did not do when he blew out his tires, though, was get <laughs> back to the DIY Lifestyle. You didn't, you didn't cost, fix those things yourself. It would have cost me more money because I had my my work clothes on and I'd gotten all those I messed up and everything. And, so, and I thought I'll, I'll call the roadside assistance because I've already paid for that. And yeah, yeah and, sounds like you need well, some new roadside assistance. And, and when I and I'm and need I, better and, roadside assistance. Exactly. I tend to shudder when I hear DIY because I'm not a handyman. But there are certain things like I mean, how many people are starting to as you move up the ladder. Uh, and have higher incomes, it's real easy to start paying for your lawn service, paying for somebody to mow the lawn, paying for somebody to treat the lawn. You could prepare meals at home instead of eating out. I like to eat out. I like to go to lunch, but it's $12 or $13 every time. Maybe you don't eliminate that. Maybe you give yourself a treat a couple times a week, but three times a week you prepare your meal at home and bring it. And the other one that hits home for me is kids' activities. If you want to know where my so-called emergencies seem to pop up, they're not emergencies, but they pop up every week. There's something going on at school. There's something going on with club soccer. There's something going on with what my kids are doing that there's another check I've got to write. And the bottom line is, is if I can't afford that, it doesn't matter that everybody else is doing it too. I've got to cut back. I I will say, though, to do it within reason, because, you know, there needs to be some activity. But like in your case, for the girls, for soccer, that's probably leading to some scholarship money. So all of these years of activity Mm -hmm. in that arena are are going to more than pay for themselves. Now, there are lots of other things where, you know, my kid's going to play in the Super Bowl. Well, very few parents are right about that. You know, so Mm -hmm. you've got to balance that out about whether your expectations are reasonable. I would say that uh, I have done the math on whether I would have could have just put all of that money into a <laughs> program and paid for college. We're not there yet, but but uh, I did take a look at that. There's yeah. no question about it. But you do have to analyze that. Is it an investment in your future, your kid's future, or is it just money that could be uh, bettering your financial circumstances? Scott, I want to mention to our audience that if you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, you guys make it sound so simple but it's really not that simple. Well, it really is if you have some help. And coming this summer, we're working on a program that I think is going to be revolutionary. Uh, I think that that every person needs a financial coach. I think without question, that person alongside you, helping you to understand basic money principles, helping you to be accountable to getting those basic money principles in play in your own life, I think that is essential. Look, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and I have seen what works, and I've seen what doesn't. Doing it yourself and looking up stuff online, unless you're just incredibly disciplined at this, if you're out there by yourself, it's probably not going to happen. What you need is a coach to come alongside you, and we're putting together a program that is actually a offshoot of our employer program called MoneyWorks. We're calling this MoneyWorks at Home. It really is how money works. It is a key 
ability for you to to uh, learn some financial principles and then have a coach help you to apply those financial principles. We're going to tell you more about that as we get closer to that. The rollout date is in July for that. So we're working on the details of that right now. But if that's you, let us know and we'll put you on the list of, of uh, potential uh, folks that want to take part in MoneyWorks. All right. One final easy principle. We're not going to get to all of them. Again, you can get that list. We'll tell you how to do it before we leave. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Listen to this. According to Charles Schwab's 2019 Modern Wealth Survey, more than one-third of Americans admit that their spending habits had been influenced by images and sharing by friends on social media. Boy, is that true or what? Everybody's on vacation on Facebook, right? Everybody's buying a new car, maybe for themselves, maybe for their kids, on Facebook. That's obviously not representative of their whole life. They're putting out there what they want you to see, but it can, Mark, influence your buying decisions. It's it's keeping up with the Joneses, yeah. and as my friend Ellis, you know, said in, in the message, uh, seeing that and and how that was driving uh, his life to be uh, basically controlled by money mm-hmm. uh, is what kind of pushed him over uh, over the the edge to make these great decisions for himself. So uh, definitely big kudos to you, Ellis. All right, so those are a few of the uh, easy principles. Again, here's how to get that list. You can go to our website, getreadyforthefuture.com slash easy button and get that list for yourself. Uh, We have a few more principles that we didn't have time for on the show today to get to. But finishing up here as we have just a couple of minutes left, uh, John, when we were talking about getting the plan together, I, I can't really emphasize the importance of having that plan. If you set your specific savings goals and and even backing up from that, if you don't know, and there's our bell as we wrap yeah. things up, time for our final <laughs> thoughts. If you don't know what your savings goals should be, what your asset level should be at retirement, we say it all the time, retirement is an, essentially an income problem. We're talking about income in your work life, but that income plan has to carry on in your retirement life. And when that is set, we can start to really build savings goals for our clients. And having that written plan on paper, on purpose, can make all the difference when you get confused by all the noise, when you're looking at how the Joneses are living on Facebook, when you're looking at the purchases potentially on Amazon. What does the plan say? And it doesn't matter what Facebook says then. It matters only what the plan says. That's right. The plan is your guidebook. It, it, it really is your roadmap on that destination to financial freedom that destination to retirement. We're going to be talking about that at our workshops coming up later in February. So you want to have that plan in place so you can actually navigate that road and get to that destination. I think it's very key that no matter where you are, you need to be thinking about retirement because ultimately that's the the big expensive thing in your financial life is trying to live without a paycheck. You want to be on track for retirement and to be able to do that, you've got to start wherever you are. Give us a call. We'll help you. First step into the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process begins with a phone call. You can call 501-653-7355. If you're watching on our live stream today, you can do that right now. Someone's available to take your call and match you with a GenWealth Financial Advisor near you in offices with offices in West Little Rock, Hot Springs, El Dorado, Bryant, Conway, and Bossier City, Louisiana. We are out of time for this week's show. We thank you for watching on our live stream and listening on our radio program. We're back again next week. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501-653-7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors, and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only.